Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. I'd say the number one thing is, your number one, wherever the Lord puts you, do that job well. You know, if you're the modified coach, if you're the, the trainer on the fourth and fifth grade team at the YMCA, do your job well. Number two, most importantly, should he be number two, it should probably be number one. Care about the kids that you've been given. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 32nd episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corson, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We are so honored and so blessed to have you today for the third and final week of our high school series featuring three phenomenal coaches, Larry Jones, Mike Sorrentino, and Ruben Owens. Between the three of them, they have so much coaching experience, so much wisdom. You guys are really going to love this episode, and I highly encourage you... If you don't already have it out, get some pen and paper, get your notes app out on your phone, and write some things down because these three men have some great things to say. And if you haven't already checked out our previous episodes of the first few weeks of this high school series, do it. We interviewed last week with some great athletes, Luke Sakalowski, Ainsley Goebel, Zach Eisenman, and Santiago Martin. The four of them are have such a maturity level to them. It's been amazing. And our first week, we, we interviewed Christy Comenda and Kevin McNamara as well. Those two coaches are phenomenal. So it's been such a joy being on the sweat room journey. And just as a reminder, if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, gotta give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. And here at the sweat room, we like to say that everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. We've interviewed guys like Dalton Risen of the Denver Broncos, Reed Ferguson of the Buffalo Bills. We've had Len Vandenboss from the Buffalo Bills, who's the chaplain as well, Lorenzo Alexander. And it's just as a reminder from the professional athlete to the high school coach and athlete, you have a story. You, the listener, have a story. You have a platform. You matter. And it's just been so fun being on the sweat room journey. And so just as a reminder, just to subscribe, rate, and review, and maybe just share with just one friend. That will help us out. And if there's anything that we can do as the sweat room team, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to find ways that we can serve you. Or do you just have any guest ideas, feel free to reach out to us. And before we dive in, I just want to give a special Shout out and thank you to the Sweat Room team as well. Not only to my co-host Bjorn Webb, who's been great between the sports ministry here at Watermark Wesleyan Church here in Buffalo, New York, but also he's just been so much fun to do this podcast with. And a shout out to Rob Clark and Zachary Paris. Rob Clark is writing our blogs. If you have not already checked out our blog, go do it. Take a pause real quick. Yeah, right now. Pause it. Go to watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Again, that's watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Go check out the blog. Rob Clark's a gifted writer. He's a student out of West Virginia University, and he's been writing blogs for every week of this podcast, starting a few weeks ago with Mike Weston and on. It's been so fun having him on the team. And then Zachary Paris. Zachary Paris is the man, a fellow Houghton man. So shout out to all the people who are listening from Houghton. And he's been helping out with our social media, and it's been so fun being on the sweat room journey with all the three of these guys. It's been such a blessing. So without further ado, here is our interview with Larry Jones, and then after that with Ruben Owens, and finishing with Mike Sorrentino. Well, today we want to welcome a special guest, Larry Jones, to the sweat room. Welcome, Larry. 
Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Larry, to start off, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, how long you've been coaching, and that kind of thing? All right. Well, that I could give you 20 minutes right there. Uh, <laughs> I am a uh, I'm a Buffalo born and bred uh, young man. I went to Kensington High School, which no longer exists. I was a cross country basketball uh, baseball guy there. Then I went on to Cortland State University. Oh wow! And uh, since then, uh, the Lord has taken me all sorts of places. Spent a year out in Chicago, at Moody Bible Institute, uh, doing a little studying right after college, and then I. Uh, Took a job on the West Coast, a small private school out in Huntington Beach, California. Spent some few, few years out there. Uh, my wife decided we were going to have kids and we were going to do it back here. So guess where we ended up? Right back here. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so we're, I've been here. I took a job uh, working on my master's degree at UB. Took a job at, in Oakfield, Alabama, Section 5, just outside of Batavia. Wow. And, uh, took a job there coaching basketball, which turned into a full-time phys ed job. I was there seven, eight years before I ended up in Depew in 1991, and I was there until I retired two years ago. Wow. That's wow, amazing. You. So, so how, how long was the duration of your coaching career? Well, actually, it's, it's still continuing. I'm still the head uh, boys basketball coach at Depew High School. Wow. Uh, so I have been coaching. I, I missed one year, and the year I missed, I officiated 140 basketball games. I was Ooh. working on my wow. master's, yeah. So I've uh, been involved in basketball since I was I was a head coach at 22 years old. It was really interesting. The, the Lord has strange ways of showing you how much you really don't know and need to rely on him. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, finished finished my uh, my degree at Cortland State and, uh, you know, great four years. Enjoyed everything about it. Had my degree and ended up uh, wanting to go out to Moody. They had a one-year program just for Bible training because I still didn't know what my what I what I was going to do from a ministry standpoint, and I wanted the extra Bible training. So I went out there and uh, I had hurt myself in college, and I had an extra year of eligibility left. So I was hoping to play on their basketball team. Sure. Well, I got out there. Their coach had left, and so I'm 22 years old, and I was given the head basketball coaching job uh, at a small junior college in the Midwest. So uh, <laughs> interesting way to find out real quickly what I didn't know. You know, you think you know a little bit about basketball because you played all your life, but then you're getting put in front of 12, 20 year old kids. Uh, some a little older because Moody has an interesting dynamic with, you know, missionaries, kids coming back. Some of the guys are older mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I just sat up there and pretend I knew what I was doing for a year. That was a very humbling, unique <laughs> experience to be in. Wow. That's amazing. And so what are, you mentioned a few of the sports, what are like your well-seasoned sports that you've coached the most? Cause I you've coached all different kinds of sports. Is that correct? I've done a lot of things. My very first job in Huntington beach. You'll love this. I get off the plane in LA. Uh, I'm 20, 22 years old, never coached before, just gotten engaged, but my wife had taken a job on the East coast. She went to a small private school in New Jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. She was my fiance at the time. And so, I had nothing to lose. I went out to the West Coast. The first job they gave me, I was the eight-man football coach, eight-man tackle football. Now, oh, there's wow. a different wow. game. You know, wow. that, yeah. it's kind of like arena football on steroids for, for high school kids. And, uh, you know, my football background was playing like four years of Little League when I was 10. <laughs> so uh, having to want to learn on the fly, I was fortunate to have a couple holdover assistants from the previous coach. Mm. And uh, they really helped me out because I, you know what? I knew nothing. 
And eight I mean, man's you know, very different than 11 on 11, correct? Oh, my goodness, yes. And, you know, just my, my, my best football background to help me there is watching the Bills play. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you don't go exactly into uh, in depth. You know, I knew a little bit about football, and I knew and I, I was a pretty good athlete. I could do things and play, but I didn't know how to coach that. I didn't know how you yeah. broke up practice or what do you do with alignment and how you handle the skill guys and you know, what a different mindset altogether to have to coach football. So yeah. that was my only football coaching gig. I've been asked to do it a couple of times when I was back here, but I had no desire. Uh, <laughs> so when I came back here and was coaching uh, in Oakfield and Depew, I was, I was, I've coached basketball every year wow. uh, since then. And so that would have been from uh, 83 until now. You know, I've, I've been coaching the whole time. So 93, 03, 13, almost 35, 30, 38 years, somewhere in there. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so I try, I pretend I know a little bit there now. It took me a while, <laughs> but I finally know a little bit. Uh, in the interim, I coached uh, 10 years each of boys and girls varsity soccer. And I, I was our modified softball coach at Depew. And I was also, I was a fast pitch pitcher and played in a lot of the local leagues. I played in the church leagues and the ones in Lackawanna. And so I helped out with our pitchers at the varsity and JV levels as well. But I uh, did that the whole time I was at Depew from 91 until I retired. Oh, wow. Very good. So Larry, you've talked a lot about like coaching and different things. And so could you put your finger on a different couple different things that coaching has taught you about either yourself or about leadership or even about God and your relationship with him? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let, let me tell you maybe the one, the one that might be the most interesting. I, um, being, you know, when, when you're young, you think, you know, you guys are, you know, you're sharp guys and you pretty much think, you know, everything. And you're going to find out in 20 years, that you didn't know anything, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just how life works. And, you know, if you, that's all they always say, youth is wasted on the young. And it's interesting mm -hmm. how little, you know, when you're younger, you think, you know what you're doing and, and you have answers and you go on with life. But you find out later how how much you didn't know. I I coached, like I said, I coached out Chicago for a year when I was in Huntington Beach. I was the varsity coach in that program for three years. I came back to Oakfield. I was the varsity coach. And when I came to Depew in 1991, I ended up there because uh, my job in Oakfield had been cut. We uh, new superintendent came in and uh, they cut back to the state mandate, which is physical education every other day for the kids. And we were running a program for every day, so. Um, that was a shock to the system too, being fired when you're, you know, 32 years old and you've, you've got a couple of kids and, uh, uh, you have got to find a new job. So mm. I really know the people that COVID have lost their jobs and really aren't sure what's going to happen next. But, uh, very interesting how, you know, I, I was brought to Depew. I had a good friend that I was in uh, a small group with out of my church. I went to Randall, Randall Baptist church in Williamsville at the time. Mm. And, um, he, uh, he was a teacher in Depew, and he saw a posting for a part-time job. So, you know, the Lord opened up that door for me, and I started coaching there. Well, the only coaching job there was the JV job. Mm -hmm. And so I took the job in 91, and the first couple of years were great. I had some of the best athletes I've ever had in my life, wow. and uh, they did very well at the varsity level as they moved up through. And, uh, in fact, a number of them I'm still very close with and uh, are actually on my coaching staff. Oh, cool. Uh, wow. The... Uh, the, the thing that was interesting was that after three or four years of doing JV and I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now, and I, I know a little more than I did when I started, you know, a number of years earlier, I, it got to be a little frustrating. I was working with a gentleman who was a wonderful man 
but he was more of a baseball guy. You know, he wasn't a big basketball guy. And I wanted to see us do some other things and have the program go, go a different direction. And it was incredibly humbling to have to stay in the position I was in as a JV basketball coach when, you know, my internally I'm thinking, you know, I know more than this guy and I should be in charge and I should be making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting how the Lord has to put that in your life and say, you know what? I'm the one in charge here. This is the job I've given you. You do what you're supposed to with that. You touch the lives of the young men that you have a chance to be a part of, and you let me take care of the rest. And it's incredibly interesting. It took me, I can remember a very specific game where I was on the bench with a varsity coach. It was a close game, and we had to draw something up at the end uh, to win the game. And uh, so the varsity coach wasn't a big X's and O guy. So I did a lot of that stuff. And so we drew something up. It worked. We win the game at the buzzer. And that was one of the lowest points of my career. Mm. I was so frustrated that I'm making all the decisions, but I'm still just the JV coach. Because what do we all want? We all want notoriety and honors. It's like with social media. Everyone wants their status to be updated. Everybody wants to, hey, look at me. I'm doing a great job. Aren't I great? You know, what, what a humbling thing and a thing that the Lord really had to teach me. To, it's like, Larry, you shut up. You know, I'm in charge. This is what I've given you. You do well with that. And then you want other things? Well, you do well with what I've given you and then allow me to work through you. And um, when I finally realized that, and a few years later, I got the head job and, you know, we've had some success, but uh, it was a very humbling time in my life where I had to really step back and say, why am I doing this? Am I doing it so people will think I'm a wonderful guy and uh, they'll think I'm the greatest coach in Western New York? Or am I doing it because... I was supposed to be, you know, touching the lives of kids here. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, could you, um, for our listeners, just sort of maybe summarize two or three of those points that you just mentioned um, briefly for them? I'd say the number one thing is your number one, wherever the Lord puts you, do that job well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the modified coach, if you're the, the trainer on the fourth and fifth grade team at the YMCA, do your job well. Number two, most importantly, shouldn't he be number two? It should probably be number one. Care about the kids that you've been given. Wow. You know, our job as coaches is to build relationships. Uh, I've been very fortunate. My very first JV team, I had a freshman and a sophomore. The sophomore was our point guard, and he ended up eventually going to Brockport, coming back, being a part of my coaching staff. He was my JV coach for a number of years. Mm-hmm. and uh, we still have a great relationship. He's teaching it to Pew now. And the other one, uh, I actually cut him as a freshman, wow. and he came back. He, he had a couple buddies that uh, told him the wrong day when practice started. They were just kind of busting him, and, you know, so they thought it was funny when he wasn't there that day. He wasn't so <laughs> So he ended up not making the team, but uh, he made the team the next time, and he ended up um, d- doing a great job for us. He was a good player, went on to play at Buff State, got his degree. And he's actually my financial planning guy. He's my money guy now. He's got all my cash. Mm. So oh, very good. Uh, he's the one in charge. But it's just really cool that the first year I'm there, yeah. I built relationships yeah. with two guys uh, that are still a very vital part and important part of my life. So mm-hmm. it's building those relationships um, and, and being to, a, to you know, the opportunity to establish that kind of a, a relationship with a kid. And you, you hope you're, you're pointing them in the right way, that you you hope when they, when they call you at, you know, 10 at night with an issue, you have an answer for them. You hope that you can continue to speak to them in a way that'll uh, lead them to Christ as well. Mm-hmm. And as we're shooting this right now, that is just so good, Larry. I, I, 
the, such wise words right there. Um, I, and as we're shooting this right now, we're still in the pandemic. So for you, what is it like being a coach during the, during Corona? Yeah. Worst time I've ever had. This mm. is the, uh, we, I've had such a little, little time with our kids. You know, I'll, I'll call them occasionally. I'll text them. And it's really interesting because while I know the parameters have been put on us as coaches, we're really not allowed time with our kids right now. Mm. Um, we finished the basket. We were fortunate in Western New York, well, New York state. We didn't have the regionals or state tournament, but we did make it at least through our own sectional play. Mm. So we're able to do that. So we finished locally. We finished our seasons. Uh, but most of us, you know, you never finished. You didn't have that finality. You never had a banquet at the end. You couldn't meet with your kids. You know, we lost three months there. And uh, my kids just came out to the house in August, and we had a little get-together. But oh, it was yeah. so good to see them. I went to a couple of grad parties, uh, and it was kind of interesting. You know, normally you see the coaches, like, turn your eyes, put your head down, and walk the other way. Uh, <laughs> but they were actually – it was pretty cool. They were actually excited to see me. And a couple of the seniors in particular, you know, he's been, you know, I had an interesting job. I taught in the elementary um, school in our building. So every kid on my team, I knew when they were five years old and I had them for six years in the elementary five, you know, they're K through six. And then they were in our program starting as a seventh grader. So I had a chance to build a relationship for 13 years with each of them. And so when they leave, it's a big deal. Yeah. For sure. And uh, you want them to do well. And, you know, some of them, they were so up in the air, they didn't know what they were going to do. Am I going to go to school? I'm going to work. Am I going to take a year off? So they're, they were confused. Uh, some of them get, you know, great direction from their parents. Some of them don't have parents. You know, some of them have just a mom. Some have just a dad. And so you're, you're trying to give them a little wisdom. You're trying to push them through some directions that you think will be beneficial to them. But not having that relationship and being able to see him every day. Uh, it's been tough. You know, all the summer, we used to uh, have a summer program where we meet two or three mornings a week uh, just to work out in the gym for 90 minutes or so. And then I'd see him once or twice a week during the week. We'd have summer league games, and then we'd go away at least once or twice uh, in July or August to a camp somewhere. And uh, those are great times to build because you got no school going on. You got nothing else. It's a great time to build relationships. I'm still an old dinosaur. We go on road trips and I take their phones. So they, they weren't allowed to text. They weren't allowed to have communication with the outside world. They had to talk to each other, which was a novel thing for a couple of them. <laughs> so, you know, I, in fact, I'd give them, I'd give them sheets in the, in the, on the road trip. You know, I had a couple of parents drive them, but they had things they had to do. They had to, they had to know uh, each guy's aunt and uncle. They had to know uh, what his dad's job was. They had to know who their brothers and sisters were. Just, you know, we made them do things to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what I've really missed is them being able to build relationships with each other, um, just me being more of a part of their lives, and uh, that's that's what the pandemic has hurt. I mean, the physical part of it, you know, you hope they're out doing a little bit of working out. They can run around. You know, there's a lot of things you can do without a weight room to still be in shape, and that that that's a that's just a bad excuse for those guys who, who aren't in great shape. But you're not getting that c- competition, that beating guys. Mm-hmm beating on you every day and and doing the things you normally would. And in case you didn't know this, high school kids don't social distance. They've been together the whole time. You know, the state saying you can't do this, you can't do that. I feel like telling them, you know, they've been doing it for six months. (laughs) You you told them they couldn't meet and they said, sure, okay, no problem. And then they go to the park and they're all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of towns actually had to take the hoops off their courts and Mm -hmm. do things like that 
because kids were still congregating and meeting with each other. But uh, that's and, and the kids are hurting. You know, they really are. They, yeah. I want. I one just flat out texted me one night. He goes, Coach, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't like a clinical depression where he was. You know, it was a serious issue as far as you know he's going to do something. You know, take his life or anything like that. But they're just they're just down. You know, they, the things that they look forward to, there's not a 16-year-old boy that goes to high school to learn. They go to high school to see girls and play sports. <laughs> so that's the reason they're there. So don't let anybody kid you. I mean, the education part of it, they do it because that's what they're supposed to do. But that's not why they're there. They're there to be with their friends. And they miss that. Sure. You know, virtual, virtual learning now, they, you know, they don't remember what they learned in science. They remember the guy next to them that, you know, did something stupid or said something stupid in class, and they all laughed at him for the next week. <laughs> you know, that, that's what guys remember. They don't remember those other things. Sure. So that's the, you know, the, them being able to build those relationships with each other and the coach being able to come alongside and be a part of that, that's what we miss the most. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, for you – how have you been able to, or how have you been trying to encourage your athletes during this time? You've mentioned how hard it has been for them and for you. Um, has there been any ways that you've been able to encourage them? I'll just, we'll call, you know, I'll, I'll call. I, like I said, I was able to go to a couple of grad parties. Uh, I had them over to the house once. Um, we did a couple Zoom calls where we were all there together. And that, that was awesome because they just laughed at each other the whole time, made fun of each other, which is, you know, that, that to them, that, that's that's living. That's a good thing. That's high school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they, they love that. You know, there's a couple of guys they make more fun of than others. And, you know, the one guy that can never get a girlfriend and the one that gets a new one every week. And, <laughs> you know, they, they have a great time when they're together. You know, even, it's really interesting. I'm, I've been very fortunate. Our kids at DePew genuinely enjoy each other. You know, there's some places you go where, you know, maybe some kids got a little more money and uh, their parents are a little more white collar. Our kids are as blue collar as it gets. They're down to earth mm-hmm. and uh, they just want to enjoy life and, 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 you know, be put on the right path. And um, so it's been, for me, it's been a great, great fit. You know, if I'd been put in Amherst or Orchard Park or someplace where uh, the kids had a different kind of an upbringing. I may not have been a good fit. It's interesting how the Lord knows where you should be and how you should be there. And That's the reason good. you don't know them when you're put there, but you find out 10 years later, man, this is the right place for me to be. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And, uh, you know, I, even as we look forward to this upcoming season, you know, I just had a meeting with the state last Tuesday and, um, it's not a real bright picture right now as far as how things are moving forward. Yeah. But we're hopeful but uh, the health department's going to play a lot, uh, hold a lot of the cards on what we do. It's uh, really not up to the state athletic association um, where it's going to be dictated to us how things move forward. So uh, mm-hmm. fingers crossed right now and just give it to the Lord and, you know, be thankful that we have a father that knows exactly what we need and mm-hmm. will bless us the way that we need to be blessed. Absolutely. And I think a word that comes to mind with you is the importance of fellowship. I think you love, you know, your athletes being together and cultivating those relationships. So I definitely see that in you. I I know when you're talking about just being on the bus, something that came to mind was like, like something I remember the Titans where they're just sitting and writing down each other and getting to know each other. I was like, I'm like, I love that. Cause it's, you get to know the other person. I really see that in you as well. So that's, that's you know, know, that's what they're going to remember in 15 years. Mm. You know, that these are the guys they're still going to call. They're still going to text. Or so, you know, you, you lose, you know, lose touch a little bit when you get older. I was fortunate uh, when, when I had just taken over the varsity job in Depew, uh, 90, I can't remember the year, 96, 7, 8, somewhere in there. 
Sure. And uh, no, a little later than that, actually, 2002, I guess. And uh, my son was on one of the first teams I had. And him and his buddies, when he lives in Virginia now, he's a teacher down there. But when he comes back here, there's three or four guys, you know, we call up, we go to dust together and catch <laughs> up and have a great time. You know, they, they see each other a little bit on Facebook, but that's not the same as, as giving a guy a hug and mm-hmm. you know, just being with him for, for a short period of time. Mm, that's so good. So as we finish up today, Larry, do you just have any final thoughts and uh, just words of encouragement for our listeners and maybe, maybe even for some of your coaches as well and, and your players? Yeah, just keep fighting the fight. And, you know, don't let uh, the fact that we're being told you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, people for hundreds of years have found ways around being told, you know, getting around, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. So now here's what can I do? And you, you need to find those outlets. Okay, I can't, I'm not allowed to do this with my kids. Well, can I do this? And, you know, you need to be the guy that's not afraid to go into your AD's office and give them 10 questions a day because you can break them down eventually. You know, I'm old enough. I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old in my AD. I kind of try to tell him how things are going to work sometimes. And that's, that's not my place, but you know, you go in there with some ideas. Well, maybe if I can sway him a little bit, just get him a little farther today when I come in tomorrow and ask him the same thing. And then the next day, the same thing, maybe I'll be able to get this or that. And maybe we can have a little gym time. And, uh, you know, uh, right now I know our rules at Depew, we're not allowed to do anything inside, you know, um, the phys ed classes are barely meeting. They're doing most of their things they're doing are outside. And I think that's going to be one of the things that hampers us the most moving forward is that uh, indoor activities, um, just with the, the situation, the COVID, the science of it, they're saying that's that's where the dangers lie. Outside, not as bad. Inside, you know, a little tough with air filtration and the proximity of people. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to find ways to get around that. We're going to have to find ways that we can still, you know, it's really tough as a Christian to be able to honor your government one and honor your Lord at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, we find ourselves, we're not careful. We're going to bash the government, be mad at them at the decisions they're making. I don't want this to be political, but you know, we need to remember that the Lord's put them there for a reason as well, whether we agree or disagree with their decisions, you know, it's our job. You know, I live in New York state. He's my governor, whether I think he's good, bad, or indifferent, I need to follow the guidelines he's put there as a Christian. So he can see that I care about, you know, my government. So he can see that I care about, uh, my own family and my kids by following whatever guidelines they give me. So we've got to follow those guidelines, but we've got to find ways that we can get around uh, whatever we need to get around so we can still be with our kids and do the things we need to do as as coaches and uh, still remain a positive influence in their lives. Yeah. Wow. That, that's so good, Larry. And I, yeah, th- we're just going to wrap up our time here, but I just thank you so much for joining us today. And as you mentioned earlier, like there's still things that you don't know. And you mentioned us like, man, we're still learning every day, all the things that we don't know. And I hope that today's conversation um, was a blessing for myself and Noah, and just that we learned something from you. And then also that some of our listeners just took something away from your years of experience, um, coaching, working with students. And like Noah said, just the emphasis on fellowship, on building relationships and being there for kids and seeing some of the longevity of some of those relationships and the impact they've had um, on kids lives is just incredible. And so we just thank you so much for all that you've done, uh, for the city of Buffalo, for the school district, uh, at Depew specifically, and all that you're going to continue to do in the lives of these kids and here on out. So thank you so much for being with us today, Larry. Thanks guys. I had a great time. Good luck to both of you as well. Thanks. And here is our interview with Ruben Owens. We want to welcome to the podcast, Ruben Owens, Ruben, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Noah, thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate it. 
Ruben, so we want to start out this conversation. Tell us a little about yourself. Give us a little of your background. Well, I'm uh, originally from Dayton, Ohio, born and raised. You know, go Flyers. Go Flyers, you know, And also man. go Buckeyes. Can, 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 can't forget about my Buckeyes football team, you know. Can I hear an OH? You know, I can't wait to. Yeah, I owe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, like I say, you know, born and raised in the Midwest. Uh, grew up, you know, my mom and sisters. And... Um, for a former student athlete myself, went to a private school back in back in Ohio, which is probably a well-known powerhouse for football amongst private schools in Ohio. Cool. Um, I actually grew up playing bo- playing baseball and bowling. Wow. Uh, with my two cool. my two my two my favorite sports. Can you bowl you know, three hundred? Uh, you know, I've I've, I've never bowled a three hundred before. Never. <laughs> What's your highest? Never. My highest is two ninety nine. Oh come on! Oh my gosh! So close. Yeah, yeah. I, I have probably about like ten games between two ninety five and three hundred. But that's amazing. I just can't wow. crack it up. I think I think I, I think I choke under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So you, yeah, you're from um, from Dayton, and then where, where where did you go from there? Uh, from there, I spent two years in uh, in Colorado Springs, the Division two school, playing basketball. I love I it. That's in Colorado, man. Love it. Yeah, I recognize the 719 where you called me. I said, who's calling me from Colorado Springs? <laughs> the 719. <laughs> I know the 719 way better than 716, but I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get yeah, there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so I spent two years out there playing basketball and, you know, um, yeah, so I had uh, so I ended up transferring from Colorado Springs to Fredonia. Cool. And uh, by dumb luck, I never even heard of Fredonia. How'd you hear about I just it? I I had a good friend of mine growing up. He was going there to play hockey. Wow. And uh, we, grew, yeah, we, we grew up together back in Dayton. So he was going there to play hockey. So I went with him to move his stuff in. And when I was up there, I was like, oh, man, you know, let me go play some pickup ball with some of the guys that were already there. Because it was probably about two weeks before school started. Sure. So played pickup with him. And uh, there's a new coach. He asked me if I was going anywhere. And I was actually supposed to go to Ohio Dominican. Which, wow. is, was a pri- which is a private school back in Columbus, Ohio. Sure. But I'm type of guy, I'm type of person where I, I enjoy being away from home. Yeah. So Love it was either out. I'm the same way, hours, man. Yeah. Six Hello. hours from home or one hour, I, you know. So um, so I worked out with them, and he asked me, you know, if I want to come to school there. there. I applied, filled out financial aid, and actually called my mom and sister to bring my stuff up. So I never went back home. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, so I asked him to bring it up, and uh, then after that, I kept saying, "Yo, I'm a New Yorker." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And and now you're a coach, you right? So, uh, yep, yep. I've been coaching now, starting my, I believe it is my 18th or 19th year coaching. Wow, that's amazing. Yep, so so how, did, how did you get into coaching? Well, I've always wanted to coach ever since that when I was in high school working basketball camps, you know, at my high school. Mm. Uh, so I knew I've always wanted to coach. And actually, my AAU coach was a uh, was a big influence on me. Wow. Because uh, he was just a hard-nosed, uh, hard-nosed, zero-tolerance type coach. And that's where I really started learning, you know, in regards to being a, a lot of the discipline that it needed to take, sure. you know, to compete at that, that next level and to be a good student athlete. Mm. You know, so I had, when I got done playing at Fredonia, I coached there for a year. Wow. And actually, the guy who I coached with, Chris Kenzie, who's the varsity coach at Amherst, yeah. I coached him his freshman year at Fredonia. Wow. And, um, and then the following year, I coached his younger brother, Garrett Kenzie, at Maryvale High School. 
um, as a 10th grader. So, and he's our modified coach at Amherst. So that's, um, so it's a coaching staff that really knows, uh, that really knows each other. And from my, uh, after I coached at Maryville, I coached at Duville college as assistant coach for six years. Wow. And uh, once I, yeah, then once like uh, Chris Kenzie took over the Amherst program, um, he asked me what, what would it take in order to coach over the high school level? Yeah. I said, all you gotta do is ask. So he asked and I said, yo, I'm in. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. So you have quite the experience of coaching. So how many years of coaching is that total? Uh, total it is, uh, I'll be starting my 19th year. That is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 19th year. And, uh, and I, I, lo- I, love, I love every last bit of it. Wow. Yeah, so... So right now we're featuring, you're a part of our high school series right now. And so we, I'd love to know, just being a coach, we're going to talk a little about, you know, even being a coach now and what it's taught you. What has coaching taught you about yourself, leadership, and more importantly, about God? Um, you know, I tell you, let's talk about myself first. Uh, first. I know yeah. coaching has definitely taught me a lot Uh a lot about patience. Hmm. Um, and anyone, uh, anyone that coaches any sport, individual team sport at any different level, um, knows that it takes a special, particular person to become to be a coach, especially hmm. of a team sport, because you have so many different individuals that come from different backgrounds, right. and you know, and trying to mold them together to build whatever one wants to. What coaches one is a championship caliber program, hmm. you know. Um, but but even taking it further from like the program, you you're you're hoping that you build in in my case coaching uh, young men, you're hoping to build young men, you right. know, from uh, from an athletic standpoint, so mm-hmm. so that way they can go out into the real world, you know, and become a better person than what they, they came into your program as. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. That's so uh, so but definitely patience. Um, you know, as in regards to as that was the second part is uh, myself. And leadership, uh, mm-hmm. the leadership is definitely a. I would probably say that goes hand in hand with with uh, with myself as well. Because uh, again, you know, leadership you have to have again patience, but you have to have a strategic approach on how to mold, you know, the different your different individuals in order to have that one that that one goal, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. winning a championship, winning a title, or just you know, or even just building a, a solid foundation for a program hmm. um you know but in order to be a good leader you have to have you have to have be a good listener absolutely you know i, I think that's like one like the main main aspects of a good leader good leader hmm. you know you, you have to be able to uh to listen to like the pros and cons you know the good the bad you know accept constructive criticism whether it's from your you know your, your colleagues co-workers coaches um, or, you know, or even your administration and, and definitely from, from your players, because uh, you're going to have some attitudes among players and you have to learn how to deal with that, you know, as a leader. How did you learn to become, you know? how did you learn to become really a, I, I, how do I say, how do you learn, how did you learn to become like an engaged listener? Like how, where did you really learn to listen? <laughs> you know, the, the honest truth is growing up around women. <laughs> really? That's a great answer. All the women on the podcast I, 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 I will love you, that. I promise you, I grew up, I grew up with my mom's sister, my grandmother. So wow. growing up around being raised by three women, you know, as, as one guy, you know, my, my voice is nothing. So, but you know, <laughs> I, 
you know, so I did. So I really, uh, and that's my understanding, you know, I really did learn to listen and have to, to kind of break down and really understand, you know, what they're trying to say. Cause I knew at the end of the day, it was going to be for the better. Wow. That's amazing. I know for me, I, I, I'm still learning. And that's kind of like our motto of our podcast is get it, got to give it. We're always in every phase of that. And I know for me, listening is one of those things. It's, it's a skill that's continued. So that is so good. So what else has coaching taught you even in your relationship with God? Uh, you know, I think, I think mainly it's just, uh, well, no, mainly it's just, uh, just, just to keep the faith in. And that's kind of like the big umbrella of everything. Cause you know, you have to have faith in your coaching staff. You have to have faith in your players that they're going to be in the right position at the right time. You right. know, you have to have faith in your, and the parents to have, have in my situation, have the players show up to practice on time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, so it's definitely, I think faith because you have to, you have that faith and trust, you know, in God first and that he will look out for, for your program and the people, individuals within your program to put them in the right position, you know, to do what needs to be done. Mm, that's so good. And, 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 to stay academically eligible during that season. Right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pass your classes to, you know, to be eligible. So yeah, that's so good. So we're in the middle of COVID-19. Right. So what is it like being a coach during this pandemic? Uh, it's extremely tough, extremely mm-hmm. tough. You know, I know, um, and I speak for a lot, for a lot of coaches when I say, you know, it's tough in regards to uh, most coaches do a lot of with their players and athletes over the summer. You know, and it kind of helps them, helps those players, like, stay accountable, you know, for staying in shape, working out, stuff like that, but also uh, keeps them humble about about staying out of trouble, you know, not kind of running the street, get, hanging with the wrong crowd and things like that. So it's definitely been right. a challenge because, uh, you know, coaches have not been able to keep that close in their relationship, you know, with, with, with their players and their, their mm-hmm. athletes. You know, so uh, so it's definitely, and it's definitely been, been testy. Uh, one, one thing that, that we've done is we've had, we had weekly Google meets, oh, cool. you know, so that way we can at least, you know, see each other by face, you know, and it kind of, kind of keeps the humor, you know, tell jokes and things like that. Cause if, uh, if you just kind of went with the whole pandemic without having any sort of interaction, you know, with, uh, with your coaches or your student athletes, then, uh, you know, you, you're kind of doing yourself, your program, uh, in those individuals a disservice, you know, mm-hmm. they need that personal social aspect. So, you know, try to utilize technology, you know, the way that you can. Mm. Have you you seen it as being effective? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Mm. uh, you know, because it's the the best way you can build, continue to build that bond. Right. Yeah. I I, I can't even imagine finding ways to be a coach. And like for you guys, I'm sure, you know, using that basketball analogy, really learning how to pivot during this time and doing that. So are, are you guys practicing now? Are, are you guys, is there anything that you're allowed to do during this time as, as we're talking? No, as of right now, no, we are, we're not allowed to do anything. You know, our, our athletic director wants the fall athletes to kind of get their feet going. Um, they just started their matches, I believe last, last week, hmm. you know, I uh, just started some of the fall matches with, tennis soccer things like that so he wanted the, the fall sports to kind of get their feet well a little bit but hopefully within like the next week or two we can at least have small groups in the gym just kind of put some shots up you know get around each other again yeah. that's good yeah and as we shoot shoot this it's monday october 5th so with the way this pandemic is going things can change when a blink of an eye so <laughs> who knows you yeah. might you might have a full right tournament here <laughs> 
<laughs> so for you, how are you encouraging your athletes during this time and, and even your coaches as well? Um, we, you know, we just stay in constant communication in regards to like text messages, uh, like a group message with the team and the coaches, all the coaches sure. are in it as well. Um, you know, just, we provide some, we talk about the, when the NBA started back up, we talked about the restart, just kind of stay involved in conversating the best that we can. Um, you know, with uh, humor is still like a big part of it. You know, we send, um, you know, we're yeah. a big close knit family. So we always are busting each other's chops and things like that. Like <laughs> the joke. So, um, you know, so, so we send like a group message, uh, like one of the so players, something like that, you know, just kind of break, break it up, get a little bit of humor in there. <laughs> that's awesome so keeping it light keeping it good so what about you what about with your coach as well yeah. how are you encouraging him i you know we well we talk it is, we have a group of about like five or six of us that uh we're like a message and we're, we're always talking about like anything and everything man we probably talk at least once a day uh via text you know it kind of depends on sometimes we talk about what's going on you know, in the world right now, sometimes we talk about, you know, our own situation, mm-hmm. you know, what our players are. We may talk about, because we're all in education as well. We may talk about, you know, how we think the rest of the first half of the school year is going to go. So we, we, sure. we just kind of keep that constant communication amongst us as well. You know, so because, uh, again, you know, you got to have that person, that personal piece. Um, and the best that we can do right now is, you know, just speak over the phone or via text message, just kind of stay in contact. Yeah, stay in that constant form of communication i'm sure is is super key during right. this time so do right, you, guys, yes. you guys i mean i assume you guys are meeting are you guys doing google hangouts with that as well uh no no not amongst the coaches no okay oh cool yeah so you guys are just talking and stuff like that that's cool that's awesome yeah. so yeah i mean as we finish up today do you have any just like words thoughts and words of encouragement just for our listeners yeah, I have found like a quote. Uh, found like a quote that I've been kind of that that kind of been 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 used at least like once a week, and I read it. You know, just kind of stay on on the the upside. Yeah, you know, it says uh, it says that this virus has created new ways for everyone to think of how to keep your family and friends safe. Mm-hmm. You know, because it definitely is 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 keeping everyone in a creative state of mind. Um, you know, my 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 wife my wife and I we're being finding creative ways to do, do things together, have like day nights and things like that. So that's, uh, so that's one to keep me, keep me grounded. Uh, yeah. She's a, she's a coach as well. So she's going through the same thing I go through, mm. you know, um, awesome. you know, then also part of it, the rest of two says you have to find a way to respect these new boundaries related to the pandemic, but still live the version of life you're used to. So, you know, no, and and it's something I tell my kids at school as a guidance counselor um, that if the world was perfect, it'd be a boring world, mm. you know. So you still have to find different ways to to, to respect what's going on, respect your surroundings, but yet still kind of do what you have to do to kind of keep yourself grounded. Mm. You That's know? So good. Um, what's keeping you grounded right now, and even your relationship with God right now? I. I tell you what, one one thing is uh is one thing that keeps me grounded is I, I talk to my mom and mother in law almost um, almost every day, whether it's oh, via a phone call or via text message. Uh, they're both strong uh, Christians, real spiritual, um, and just just having that conversation because knowing that my mom is six hours away, my mother in law is three hours away. Um, mm. Family is huge to me, so mm. I know I can't see them. So at least talking to them every day again via phone call or text message is kind of kind of keeping me in a happy place, keeping me grounded. Mm, 
That's so good. Wow. That's good. And do you have any other final remarks and, and words of encouragement for our listeners? Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, again, uh, definitely stay safe, you know, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe. And, uh, you know, think of creative ideas and creative ways to, for your own personal well-being. Um, you know, whether it's laughter, meditation, you know, do some in-home yoga, um, you know, just find various ways to, uh, to, to try to keep a, a healthy mindset. Mm, that's so good. Thanks, Ruben. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it just shows that the little things matter. You know what I mean? I'll let you, I'll let you do matter. So, man, I, I hope you guys have, have a season this year and, you know, you guys are preparing at least for it. So, I mean, that's good. So, yeah, man, mental, uh, mental, mental imagery is a big part of basketball. So we're preparing to kick off November 30th practice. So we just keep our fingers crossed that that uh, date doesn't get pushed back. And are you guys allowed to have any fans if it happens or, or what? Uh, I think all that's still up in the air right now. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense, man. That's it's crazy times, man. Well, I'm so glad you, you got to join the podcast today, Ruben. And I know our listeners, I'm sure encouraged by at least some of the things that you guys are doing and you're working with your, you guys are still preparing and getting stuff ready and working with your athletes. So that's, that's super encouraging, at least for, on my end. So thanks for joining us today, Ruben. Hey, Noah, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. And here is our interview with Mike Sorrentino. We want to welcome to the sweat room, Mike Sorrentino. Mike, thanks for joining the sweat room today. And tell us a little about yourself. I'm Mike Sorrentino. I'm presently a teacher coach over at McKinley High School. I've been working in the city as a teacher and a coach, phys ed teacher, coach for the past 37 years. And presently I'm at McKinley High School. I've been 20 years here. Uh, coach, I'm presently the soccer, swim, and tennis coach. Ooh, a little uh, bit of everything. A little bit of everything, yes. And uh, the bulk of my coaching in my uh, tenure here has been with the baseball, basketball, and soccer. Wow. Soccer is my longest stint here. I've been doing that for 20 years. Very good. I love it. Yeah. So, Mike, how how long have you been coaching? And then I know you also ref, as this is one of our refs for our Christian Basketball League. How long have you been doing all of that? I know you mentioned a little bit how long you've been at the school there. Uh, all together, I've been about 37 years uh, teaching and coaching. Uh, wow. I think I mentioned I've probably coached over 100 different teams. I've coached a lot of different Ooh. sports Wow! Uh, in the city. Um and refereeing, uh, I started in 85. You're going to have to do the math on that. <laughs> 25. 30, 35 years? 35 years, yes. That is amazing. Yeah. So, so Mike, so you have quite the resume. You have years of experience. And we're in a time and a year where really nobody has really witnessed before. So with all your experience that you've had, what has coaching taught you about leadership yourself and about God? Uh, well, first off, I want to thank God that uh, the Lord is my Savior, has kept me in balance. I can sometimes see athletes and coaches getting somewhat out of balance and lose perspective of where the, where the uh, game ends and where uh, life begins. So mm. grateful for a strong family and uh, 
the Lord is my rock, so I don't have to get too overly competitive and uh, off balance, mm. for lack of a better word. Absolutely. Wow, that's so cool. So what has, you know, right now, um, for those listening, we're recording in early October. And so for you, Mike, what has it been during the pandemic or the past, you know, seven months, eight months or so? Have you been able to do any coaching or refing or what does that look like? No, it's everything's come to a, a halt, especially in the city. The suburbs went back to uh, playing in the, the Buffalo Public Schools uh, opted not to yet. We're not back in school, so we couldn't really justify going back to the playing field. Uh, we're fully remote right now. So uh, I've been talking, being fully remote, I still talk to my athletes, and a lot of people are doing uh, – uh, private uh, conditioning drills, mostly body weight mm. uh, type of exercises. And uh, I've been practicing some yoga. I'm telling you, that's like uh, giving me new life. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I need to do more is more yoga. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with uh, the, the conditioning you get from it. Absolutely. So for Mike, for you with your athletes, when you guys are meeting, how are you encouraging your athletes as well as some of some of your the people that you work with, parents, coaches? How are you encouraging others during this time? Uh, I'm just uh, keeping them in prayer privately, but uh, any type of conversations, I, I tell them not to uh, lose hope. We'll get we'll get something uh, soon, mm-hmm. and this isn't going to be forever. So. I just feel bad for the senior class last year that lost out on their, their seasons mm. and uh, the seniors this year that may or may not see a, a, a full season. So those guys, I, I know they'll all wind up landing on their feet at some point, but uh, it's uh, you think back to your senior year and how devastating that would be not to be able to play ball in your Absolutely. And Mike, I'd love for you, when you sent us your bio, you, you had a quote in there that I, I would love for you to elaborate on. And you talk, you said, it is the people we meet and the relationships we build that make coaching one of the most valuable professions in reaching the next generation. You, would you mind elaborating on that and talking a little about that? Yeah. Uh, uh, coaching and teaching is one of the few professions where you get an in-depth relationship with kids on a regular basis. I see Mm. these, my, if I'm with a team, I'm with them on a day-to-day basis, checking in and finding out, uh, you know, how, how their life is, what their family's like. uh, And uh, we, we share a lot of emotions in coaching. We, we go through hard times. We go through good times. We celebrate victories, champions, championships together Mm. and those are uh lifelong memories that uh, a kid grows up with i know for me when uh, i get we have reunions and we go back to our high school years like they were yesterday and we talk about this game and that game and people remember oh remember that remember that pass you caught or remember that hit you got and it's like just a great bonding way of bonding with kids and a great memory for them. Uh, things that they remember for 
the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And being around for so long, I'm, I'm coaching some of the players, kids that I coached. So that's amazing. And, and they're all, all coming back and talk to me about it, about yeah. years gone by. Yeah, sure. No, it's so fun to reminisce of, you know, went back when you were playing and when you're coaching those seasons and yeah, I love, I mean, here in Buffalo, like we've always been reminiscent about, Oh, back in the nineties with Jim Kelly, you know, the Super Bowl era when we made it there and all that stuff. And yeah, now it's exciting. Cause it's like, Oh, we almost feel like we're getting back there, but there's, there's really just power in that memories. And that's what really holds relationships together throughout the years is those experiences that have bonded you together. So Mike, are there, are there still, um, are there still students that you stay in contact with that you've coached over the years? Uh, on a regular basis, no, but I do run into them uh, on occasions. Uh, Buffalo is a close knit community. So I run into students and, uh, you know, players that I coached. Uh, I just recently went to one of my players, uh, bachelor party getting, he's getting married and, Sure enough, half a dozen other players were at the, so it was good wow. reconnecting with uh, players that I've coached in the past. Mm. Wow, that's exciting. And, I, and at practices, I do have players that come and help me out too that have played for me, and that's well, always good. Do you do you see a lot of your former players are now getting into coaching and giving back in that way? Uh I see, uh, what I see now is um, a lot of my players, not a lot, but a few players are playing at the college level. We've had some good success with our soccer team. So I'm seeing some of my uh, players that have played for me uh, making it in the local college soccer. So that's fun to watch them succeed at the college level. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I haven't seen any of them coaching. Well, I did. I did. I uh, way back when I was coaching baseball, one of my baseball players ended up coaching uh, basketball. Sam mm-hmm. Endich. Cool. Well, so Mike, I'm, I'm interested in you know you've coached a myriad of sports, just so many different sports, so many different kinds of sports. You know, I hear you got individual sports, you got team sports, you got physically taxing sports, others that are more skill-based. Is there a sport that you enjoy coaching more or is there a asp- an aspect to sports that you enjoy coaching more or teaching more? Uh, interesting. Um, I, I got to give props to the football coaches. High school football coaches should be a job all its own. It's just amazing the <laughs> amount of work that's involved with that. It, uh, I really respect anybody that takes that that load on. Uh, second to that would be basketball. Basketball mm-hmm. is another uh, tremendous effort. Uh, it's a year-round effort now. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't coach basketball just in the season anymore. It's you're playing three. You're playing uh, fall ball. You're playing summer ball, and you're working out all, all through the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably my best sport, to, uh, I played college baseball, so I'm probably more adept at coaching baseball. That's that's what uh, I played college in, and I coached probably uh, 
the longest with uh, baseball. So is there any one favorite? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm pretty passionate about basketball. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love yeah, basketball. I love these championships. Uh, I love the playoffs, the NBA playoffs right now. Oh, yeah. So who's, who's your, I mean, when we release LeBron. this episode, I'm sure we'll know, but you think LeBron's going to take it? Yeah, 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 I do. I, I just think he's just uh, too strong. Yeah. So so here's the here's my, my final question for you is, do you think LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time, or do you think there's a different Oh, player? gosh. <laughs> uh, now, we Jordan, didn't prep you for this, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> The age-old question. I grew up with. Well, I didn't grow up with him, but I I loved watching Jordan. I just uh, he was spectacular, and LeBron. And I same thing. I to pick one or the other is just too hard for me to do. Mm. <laughs> it's almost like a disservice to the other player if you end up having to. Yeah, pick one. yeah. To say one's better than the other, I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. What, what about you, Noah? What are your thoughts? Well, on I was gonna say that's encouraging because most people that are your age. I know my dad, he's from Chicago. So he'll say Michael Jordan all day. So mm -hmm. for you to say, I'm not sure. I think yeah, it depends on the day. I personally think LeBron's the greatest and I, th that's a whole nother conversation itself, but just what he's dealt yeah. with. And anytime he leaves a team, they're awful once he leaves. So I, I guarantee once he leaves this Lakers team, they're going to be awful again, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> he's going to get his fourth ring. So I'm excited. Yeah. Unless we, we look back on this podcast and, Somehow the Heat won. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now for our listeners, the Lakers are looking at a 3-1 victory. And as our Nuggets fan knows, 3-1 is not a guarantee. 3-1 is no. not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Buckets said, don't count us out yet. Don't count and us out yet. Yeah. My so hope good. is LeBron end up, uh, gets to play with his son. That was his uh, goal. Yeah. Mm, that would be very cool. That really that would. would. Be like Ken Griffey. Yeah. 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 Really true. Cool. So. I don't, do you guys know, has that ever happened before besides with the, I don't think in the NBA, no, the NBA, Not, no. no, I would be awfully supportive. Yeah. NBA would be, wow. I feel, like, I feel like baseball may be the most common sport for that to happen in just with the longevity that you can play. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That'd it, be had, cool. it hasn't happened much. You know, where, you know where it's happened is hockey. Gordy Howe. I think he's played with oh, really? three of his kids. Wow. That's well, amazing. he played to 55. Whew. Oh, good wow. for him wow. that is amazing that's yeah. impressive wow. so as we as we close up here mike are there any final thoughts remarks or words of encouragement for our listeners uh just that uh you know whatever endeavor you take part in just put put forth your best effort every day and put the lord first in all your uh efforts hmm. uh, i love my one of my favorite scriptures is Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Well said. Well said. What a great way to finish. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Larry Rubin and Mike, for joining us today for our final week of the high school series. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts from those three coaches today? Yeah, well, I, man, it's been fun talking to these high school coaches it really has. And, and high school athletes and i feel like i've been reliving some of my glory days just hearing <laughs> them talk about their memories and i think yeah. about my memories it's, it's been a lot of fun because you know that's really what i remember is those people my coaches the impact they had but right yeah uh larry i loved his interview and i think one of the biggest things i took away from him was just 
humility in learning. Mm. And he, he talked many times about how many things that he learned that he didn't know and yeah. how, you know, at a young age he thought he knew it all and now he realizes he didn't. And just being able to be humble and know that you don't know it all is is really going to be so beneficial for your growth. And, and it reminded me of this quote that I read um, a couple weeks back, and it says, learn to quiet the self in order to see the world more clearly. Mm. And I know that has... Man, that's, that's sort of transformed my perspective since I read that. Because, Can you say that one more time, especially for those who Yeah, for sure. Notes. All right, get your pen and paper. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to quiet the self in order to see the world more clearly. That's so good. And, and I think even, especially right now, coming out of a, you know, I guess still in a very political season, mm-hmm. it's we all have our own thoughts and ideas and points of view. And very often when we have discussions, it's not much a discussion. It's more of this is what I think and this is how I see the world and this is what I'm going to communicate. Mm. But if we can learn to quiet what we think and what we see, that's when we can really hear others Mm. and we can learn from others and see their experiences and see their points of view. And that's when we can really learn. Mm. And and that's what I feel Larry's talking about with coaching. Totally. I I love what he was talking about too. Uh, One of the quotes that I really took away from was you find out later in life how much you don't know. Mm. Um, Just kind of looking when you reflect, you find out, wow, there's a lot we don't know. And I know, I'm sure when you and I look back during this time, we'll be like, wow, there's a lot we didn't know, but God got us through that. (laughs) But I think the biggest thing I took away from Larry, I wrote down two points. He said, one, whatever the Lord puts puts on your heart, do it well. Hmm. And number two, care about the kids that you have been given. And he just said, we're called to care and build relationships. Hmm. That's all about what it's all about, especially with coaching. I mean, you know, being being a coach, you've seen it. You've grown up in the coaching world. I've grown up, my mom being a coach. Yeah. Those relationships matter, you know, and, and those relationships last for a long time. So that was, it was so good. What, what were some of your thoughts about Ruben? Yeah. Oh, Ruben, he was, he was a fun guy. I would love listening to your, your interview with him. It was good. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things he said, one of the one quotes that I remember that he said, was in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good listener. Mm. And man, that that is powerful. If you still have your pen out from before, like write write this down because you need to be able to listen in order to be able to lead. That's exactly what I was going to say it, too. It's so yeah, good, isn't it? It is. It's so good. And and what I loved, he expanded on that, and he, I was like. Where did you learn to be a good listener? He talked about the women in his life. Mm, yeah. His, his grandma was one of those people that really impacted him. I was like, wow. That's for me, I'm like, that is where I've really learned yeah. to listen as well. Especially my grandma is one of those people as well, but especially my mom. My mom is a great listener. Mm. And so it, those are things that really made me reflect and be like, yes, my mom is a great listener. Yeah. So 100%. And I think it's, it's not a stereotype. I think it's, it's very often true is, you know, a lot of times men can be sort of prideful in thinking they know what's best and that's when Mm -hmm. they don't listen as much. And I know for me, that's definitely the case. And, you know, I got engaged recently and my fiance is, she's the best listener I've ever met. Like she's phenomenal. And it's been very hard, but also very good learning from her about how to be a better listener because it's early on in our relationship was very clear that 
she listened to me all the time, and I did not listen to her. <laughs> and that is changing slowly, but surely, but we're getting there. So that, I thought that was That's a really good. astute observation. And this is just a moment to say congratulations Oh, thank publicly. you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and so we finished with Mike. What were your thoughts with Mike? He was he was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I, I love Mike, and, and I, I've gotten to know Mike in sort of a different context than coaching. Hmm. Um, I've known Mike for, you know, about two years now as one of our one of our main referees for our Western New York Christian Basketball League over the winter. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't know how much of a prolific coaching career that he had. I knew he coached here yeah. and there, but I didn't know he had been coaching for that long, that many sports. 37 years 37 of teaching years. and coaching. That's incredible. It, it really is. But, but I just, I love that when he refs, it's not about him. Yeah. When I talk with him, it's not about him. It's not about I've refed or I've coached and taught for 37 years. It's mm-hmm. I'm here to I'm here to ref. I'm here to do this for the kids. And and I love it because we often look and this series was sort of about this is okay. Let's look at the coaches and the impact they have. Well, yeah. Let's talk about the refs too. And true refs. That's still that's still a position that you can be in that you can have such an impact. Mm-hmm. The way that you love, the way that you respect, the way that you ref can be different from the way other people ref. And I'm sure we've all had those refs. Where we're like, ah, man, they really rub me the wrong way. The way they communicate, <laughs> the way they do this. Isn't a ref like the kicker of the NFL? It's like if you do your job right, there's no issues. Mm. But when you do it wrong, it's like, oh my goodness. If you're doing great, <laughs> nobody notices you. Nobody cares. You don't get right. any accolades. But if you mess up, everybody notices. everyone's gunning for your head. Yeah. Yep. No, it's that's so true. What about you? What were your thoughts on Mike's? Yeah, that's so good there? to hear, just from a referee standpoint. But yeah. I, I think with all three of these coaches, it was talking about in-depth relationships. One of the things I took away from Mike was he said, coaching is one of the professions where you can build in-depth relationships, Mm. similar to what Larry said. And then he just talked about how God has kept him in balance. And he talked about how some coaches lose perspective of when they're in their coaching profession. Sometimes, I mean, you've seen some coaches just rip into their players. Uh. And it's just like, whoa, all right, okay. But it's we get it if it's every once in a while. I've been ripped in, you know. Most coaches, one of the best coaches I've ever had, ripped into me all the time. Yeah. But he'd always pull me aside and be like, "This is why I did it." Sure. And some some coaches don't always give the why. Mm. Um, but with Mike, you could really tell his, his he has a real heart and passion for coaching. Yeah. So no, that, that, that's really so good, that. and I, I love that you mentioned that. Of you know, when when coaches are really tough on players. Yeah. Oftentimes, and not always, but oftentimes it's coming from a place of tough love, of mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to be really hard on you and I'm going to push you because I know that you can be better. Right. And f- to be honest, there's some players that I'm not hard on because I don't know how they're going to take that. Mm. I don't know how they're going to respond. And I coach middle schoolers, seventh and eighth graders. There's some players that I can be really hard on because I know their potential and I can see that and I know that they can take my criticism with a grain of salt. Yeah. And so that is sort of explains some of the complexity of coaching is it's not coaching your team, it's coaching each of your individual players to be a team. And mm-hmm. each individual player needs to be coached a little bit differently. Right. And having <laughs> that sort of emotional IQ, emotional intelligence to recognize this is how I can love and talk to this person, and this is how I can love and talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And it may be different, and that's okay. 
And it's a reminder everybody's a little different. And especially coaching. For me, I, I think of Nick Saban. And mm. Nick Saban, he's always the calmest when they're down. And he knows he just looks at his players like it's okay. But he's hardest on his players when they're just killing them. Yeah. He's like, stop it. Keep, keep the, the yeah. foot on the pedal, you know? So it, it's just a reminder. Everybody's a little different. And that's such a great point, especially you being a coach. Mm. You know, I, I'm sure you've, you've gotten into it with some of your players. But you've looked at them, you know, and I'm sure you've learned from that. And some of them you just have to foster a different way. Yeah, and I... And, you know, a, a coach like Saban, for example, like, he's definitely learned from his mistakes over the years. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he's learned that, oh, this doesn't work with this group of kids or this does. And yeah. that's for me, like, man, I've done things that I go home and I'm like, yeah, I should not have said that to that kid. Or <laughs> I should not have said that in that way. Or maybe I should have really gotten into him there. Yeah. And so for me, still being a young coach, it's learning from these opportunities and, and that's what I encourage all coaches is like reflect on how you coach and why right. you coach um, because that that's really a good learning opportunity is what you do and how you do it and he definitely learned especially being with Bill Belichick at the Browns <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and now they're one of the winningest coaches in college and NFL oh, yeah. history so definitely knows what he's doing <laughs> totally so yeah that was such a good series I'm so glad that we were able to do that and if you guys have not checked out the previous episodes with with the other coaches and athletes that we had go do it all these guys have incredible stories to tell so yeah. and if you have any feedback um tips pointers if you liked this series there's other series you liked um, feel free to let us know you can find us on instagram and facebook yep um, watermark sports twitter sweat room pod yeah any of those platforms um, we'd love to hear from you so yeah reach out to us thanks for joining us today everybody and next week we are interviewing a former kansas city running back Yes, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, and it was okay. I put my Denver Broncos hat to the side for a little bit. But it was great to sit down with former Kansas City running back Sharkandrick West. Here's an excerpt. I, mean, I remember my first training camp there, and this one Jamal was still there. Yeah. Like, they was doing live periods. They was making Jamal get tackled. And you're like, man, it's Jamal Charles. Like, we know what he can do. Right. Coach Reed didn't care about that. He's like, and that's what made – I feel like that's what made guys play so hard for him because he don't – you don't give guys special treatments. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church.